we have been uh, we've been talking through this idea of a Christ-centered family, and how this is us. This is who we're supposed to be. Is a is a, a family that's centered on Jesus, and what that really looks like. Because family life for Christians, for believers, is uh, is different than family life for uh, for maybe non-religious families or families of, of other faiths. And, uh, and so what, what does that look like for us? Because the Christian family is, is so much more than just the nuclear family of like husband, wife, two and a half kids or whatever the statistic is right now, right? And, or whatever you might think that is supposed to be. It's so much more than that. Um, but it's also more than just marriage and it's more than just um, being single and it's more than just parenting. And all of these things come together to create the church, the body of Christ, which is a family that we are all part of, part of. And because these things make up the foundation and the structure of our relationships in the church, we need to think about it, we need to talk about it because they matter. Because the way in which we look at these things and view these things matter because relationships are at the key of everything and they affect everything. So we talked about marriage last week, um, and we're going to talk about kids and parenting next week, and it's going to be a little bit different than maybe what you think. Um, but today, we're going to talk about singleness. We're going to talk about what, what God has to say about that, the way that fits in with the family known as the body of Christ in the church. And so um, let me ask you this. Have you ever said to a single person or as a single person had this question asked to you? When are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? Are you running out of time? Right? You've heard that. Um, can I just tell you something? Granted, I'm not single. I get that. But I do know this. Um, single people hate this question. <laughs> can I get an amen from the single people in the room, right? Um, they hate this question, and it's especially the worst when you're dating someone, and that person's like there with you. You know what I mean? Like... So if you're one of those people that's maybe asked this question or something, and, you, and like your intentions are probably good, can I just say in a loving way, stop it. <laughs> All right? Quit it. You're not helping. Um, have you ever tried to play matchmaker with someone? Um, I totally had that happen. I totally had that happen. Uh, not good. Not a good experience. At the same time, I will say this. Um, my sister, in a lot of ways, um, played matchmaker, um, and I married the girl that she set me up with. So there is, I'm the exception, not the rule, okay? Um, it generally doesn't work that way, but there were some people that tried to play matchmaker before um, my sister got involved. Um, and uh, she was the one singing right here, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, but you know, sometimes, are single friends or single people, they might appreciate you setting them up. And other times they might not. Be aware, right? Be aware of that. But they definitely don't appreciate being treated like because they're not married that they are less than. They definitely don't. Um, many married people and those in serious relationships, they want their single friends to be happy, right? And they, they want them to have that beautiful feeling of, of having a family and everything, and, and, and I understand that, but let me just say this. Singleness does not mean family-less. Singleness does not mean family-less. 
And regardless of what side of this you, your, your relationship status might be right now, whether in real life or on social media, um, this, <laughs> you caught that. This is the case, and this is the truth. Singleness does not mean familyless. Everyone right here, right now, in the worship center, or those watching online, you all have a family. We all are a family together. As born-again Christians, as followers of Christ, we have a spiritual family. Now, Western civilization, which is where we are, if you didn't know that, we're considered in the West, we look at marriage as something to get to, as something in some ways to, to attain. We've got this individualism and this self-realization that views marriage as something to get after you reach a certain point in life, right? That's kind of how we look at it. And marriage can become a means of self-fulfillment and an idol in a lot of ways. Eastern civilization, though, very much all about the family. The family makes everything happen, and everything revolves around the family. And family can become an idol. Now, Christianity is different in that it has a unique view of singleness because there is no obligation to get married in the realm of Christianity. Marriage is actually understood as a temporary and earthly institution until the second coming of Jesus. Doesn't make it less than either. Neither is wrong, neither is greater than, neither is less than. Singleness has actually had a unique role in the church since the very beginning. If you do have your Bibles, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter seven a majority of the time today. That's where we're gonna camp out. And um, so if you wanna flip there, you wanna follow along on the Bible app, you can certainly do that. Just look for Connect Church in Akron, Ohio uh, and be able to follow along with me there. But um, if you have, uh, if, if you're falling into the single category, According to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it talks about how singles have more time for ministry. More time for ministry. And, and if you have more time for ministry, you know what that means? That you're helping to grow the spiritual family of God. So we're back to the whole singleness does not mean familyless because you're actually growing your family. And Paul talked about it nearly every time that he talked about marriage. He talked about being single too because Paul was single. Paul, the, the guy that started the church as we know it, we wouldn't be meeting here without Paul, right? Super Christian is really Paul. He was called um, to, to really reach to the, to the Gentiles, meaning those that aren't Jews, and, and to, to really like start the church. He was single. He was single, and so he talked about it. And, and look at what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. It says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God one of one kind and one of another. And to the unmarried and the widows, I say that this is good for them to remain single as I am. Hmm, interesting, right? What he's meaning here is that some are called to marriage, some are called to remain single. And singles are not freaks because they don't get married. People who don't get married are, are not freaks. On the contrary, singles actually have an important role to play in the family of God. Um, and, and in society and in the church and, and all of that, Christianity's understanding of singleness is, is unique because it acknowledges that being single is a good thing. 
But it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. In fact, singleness is not a stage of life or a less than marriage. It's not. We look at it that way sometimes. Maybe the people around us or society or the, or the, the family unit that, that we're involved in maybe sometimes makes us feel this way. Maybe unintentionally. But see, it's a cultural and even personal bias. It's not, not a biblically-based perspective. Thinking that, that singleness is just a stage of life or a less than marriage is not a biblically-based perspective. It could be your calling. You may be here or watching online and you may have been single your whole life or you may recently be single or somewhere in between all that. That may be your calling in life. And that's okay. That's okay. It could be how God shaped you. It could be exactly how God has shaped you to be. And if you look at it as a season of life or a stage of life, as opposed to where God has you, listen, you're doing yourself a disservice as well as the Lord and his purpose for you when you think of it as less than. But that's exactly how personally I viewed myself when I became single. Um, after uh, the breakup that I had with the girl that I was engaged to, um, I you know, thought I was gonna be getting married. And then that was ripped from me and my entire view of singleness at that point was less than. It was less than because I had, that, I had let that define my self-worth. I let that define my self-worth. And it, in my eyes, I, I wasn't good enough. Um, I second-guessed everything that I had done the last six to eight months, something along those lines, and I was second-guessing everything that was happening then in the relationship and, and, and everything that was continuing to happen, I was trash in my own eyes um, because I couldn't make the most important relationship in my life work. That's how I felt. Can I tell you the problem with that? That perspective is exactly the problem because Jesus wasn't the most important relationship in my life at the time. I was not in a good place in my walk with Jesus um, which, to be honest, is the real reason why that relationship crumbled and crashed and burned. It's because of that that I was trying to find my purpose and my self-worth in a relationship with a human and not with my creator. And we all struggle with that. We all struggle with that problem. If you're single and you're pursuing a relationship with Jesus first and foremost, as we all should be, regardless of your relationship status. See, a single person can focus on God without being distracted by the idea of husband or wife in that regard. See, Christianity says it's okay to be single. Christianity says it's okay to be single. It's okay. Being single is a viable option after all, Jesus was single. Paul was single, as I've already said. Jesus, the perfect human being. Single and unmarried his whole life. Absolutely. Some of you that are here that are single, because I see this happen, some of you take pictures of my slides, and that's cool. Some of you need to take a picture of this slide and make it like your, your wallpaper on your phone. Um, in all honesty, because the physical, you are more focused on the physical relationship 
that you don't have as opposed to the spiritual one that you do. And we've all been there. Listen, Jesus says, the Bible says, it's okay. It's okay to be single. And it's not just a season of life necessarily. It might be because God might have marriage for you, but he might not. And so if you're married, you also need to understand that about the next generation that's coming up and the single people that are around. We have more single people right now in the United States than we've ever had, like statistically, like percentage, than there's ever been. And there's not really a rush to the altar. It's not happening. Do you know, during the time of the early church, those who were single, those who were widowed specifically, would have to get married. They would have to get married again to be taken care of. But this view of singleness that was actually pretty radical for the day, to be honest, it it allowed widows to find a home at the church. So it was an incredible thing. Listen, there is a theology of singleness in Scripture. You may not have thought of it that way, but it's the truth. There is a theology of singleness, and it's important that we're aware of this. Because the Bible teaches... And Paul, as he talks about in 1 Corinthians, about being single here. And we're not going to read every bit of it, but we're going to read a good amount of it. Christians, we should actually seek to become closer to God, to become more like Jesus. And that has nothing to do with our relationship status on this earth. The single life offers an opportunity, since a spouse and a marriage can become um, idols if we allow it to. It can become an idol in our life of of self-fulfillment instead of finding our purpose in God we can allow that relationship to get out of balance and out of whack. And the Bible teaches that it's okay to be single in a world of couples. Read here. In 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35, skip down a little bit. Paul says this, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. The married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Almost sounds like we should all be like celibate monks, right? That's really not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. Or, or, you know, you may be even saying, so is marriage a bad thing? Because it's kind of feeling that way, Jay. Like, sorry, I got married. Um, Listen, that's not what Paul is saying. That's not what Paul's saying at all. Um, Reading all of this in context is incredibly helpful because his point is that marriage can become an idol, just like various things in our life. And if that aspect of our life isn't there, meaning marriage, you know, a relationship with the opposite sex, if that's not there, then that's one less thing. That's really what he's saying. Because our, our, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, our goal is not to be married. It's not a bad thing to be married. But our goal is not physical, intimate relationships with people. Our goal is to glorify the Lord and to grow in intimacy with Jesus first. And when we get that priority mixed up, 
that's when things that's when things don't, don't fit together. I was even talking with somebody in the first hour um, before the service. We were talking about this. I'm sure you, you may have heard this before or heard me talk about it before, that Jesus needs to be the number one priority relationship in our life, period. Then it's our marriage, if it's there. Then it's our kids, if they're there. And, and so on and so forth. And when that priority order gets screwed up, and it does, and it will, because we're human and we mess it up, and we all mess it up, absolutely. But that's when we start to see things start to get out of whack. His point is that marriage can, can become an idol in our life. And so if we don't have a Christ-centered view of marriage, that can happen easily. But scripture is full of the theology of marriage, for sure. Talked about it last week. But marriage done the right way, God-honoring way, um, for that to be a part of our lives. But let's ask the awkward question just here real fast, because I'm that guy. What about intimacy? We've got to ask that question when it comes to this. We can't just skip past this part and leave this out, even though it might feel awkward. What if, so I'm called to be single, or now I'm called to be single. What, what about sex, Jay? What if, I, what if I never have sex, um, or never have sex again? Um, you know, it's funny because I've never seen a TV show or a sitcom that's about like a single guy or girl where the, uh, their sex life isn't a big part of the storyline, right? Because like, man, just a whole goal of an episode is just for them to, to hook up with somebody. Um, I've never seen an episode of that, uh, of a show like that, or maybe not an episode, I'm sure there's been an episode, but, but you know, a season of a show where that isn't a storyline or that's not a part of it. It's always there. So the world is slamming us with no this this has to be a part of it that you know that kind of thing ha has to be in there our world idolizes sex and basically equates it to not being a complete person if you're not there if you're not doing that you're you're incomplete that that's a next i, I remember watching shows and i'm and i'm not going to name any but i'm but i'm sure you could think of it where they're talking about oh this is the next phase the next stage in our relationship is this that's a load of junk. I don't see that in scripture anywhere. It's not a next phase. That's a next phase to make sure that maybe things start to fall apart, which is usually what happens in those shows. God never said that you're an incomplete person or that you're missing something in your life if sex is missing from your life. I want to I look at, at another translation of some of the, the verses that we were reading I want to go to the NIV for a second so that you can see a little bit of a difference here in, in what Paul's talking about in regards to the intimacy part of being single. Verse 35 through 38 says this, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin, he is, or he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry... He should do as he wants. He's not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, control over his own will, right? Fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. 
So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. So, so we're seeing there the, the priority of that. That like, no, sex is reserved for marriage, period. If you can't control yourself and with, with this person that you're with, get married so that you can just get that out of the way, <laughs> right? And in some ways, that's what he's saying there. And if not, if you actually can control yourself, then control yourself, good grief, okay? What Paul is saying here is the choice between married and single was not a choice between good and bad. That's not what he's saying, but between better and best from his perspective in this. And for Paul, in light of his present circumstances, he regarded singleness as best because it removed the issues of temptation, of sin in his life because he was just honest with himself. I'm a guy and, and it's there, right? That temptation is going to be there. Guys, we're dumb. We, you know, so that, that's just something that takes a lot of us down big time. See, he was not worried about the physical intimacy because his intimate relationship with God was stronger. Now, granted, that's not easy. I understand that. We're, I'm not Paul. You're not Paul. We're not all necessarily called in that, in that regard. I mean, he was God's chosen instrument, right? He was called to this. He had, he had lived a life of this. It was actually part of his, of his upbringing and all of that, too, was the fact that he was just going to be celibate and everything. So I understand that. And no, it's not easy for all of us, especially in the world we live in. But you know what? It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. And it should be guided by our love. So let me say this. Love isn't just communicated by the sex someone has had. Because a lot of times that's how we think. Oh, well, I love them, so I'm going to give them this. But it's also by the sex someone hasn't had. Here's what I mean by that. If you truly love the Lord, you will wait and you will hit the brakes. I mean, there's no like, there's no easy way around that. There's no kind way or, you know, softer way to say that. If you love the Lord, you're going to hit the brakes and you're going to wait. If you truly love your fiance or your future spouse or maybe the person that you haven't met yet that, is, that maybe the Lord's going to bring into your life, you'll wait. You'll wait if you truly love them. Why? Because of love. Because true love for the Lord guides our actions. True love for the Lord guides our actions. The truth of the matter, though, is that singleness is a gift from God. If you are single, you need to look at it as a gift from God, whether it's for a season or forever. But where he has you is a gift from the Lord just like where he has each and every one of us. Being married to my wife is a gift from God, and I need to think of it and, and use it in that way. Being single, if that's where you're at, that's a gift from the Lord, and you need to think of it that way. And it's not punishment. <laughs> a lot of times people make it out to be that. People that I've talked to, they haven't said that word, but people that are, that are single or have been single for a long time, I've talked to some people who, when, when that particular subject comes up, you can tell that, like, their demeanor, like, they're not saying those words out loud, but the demeanor is that they're almost viewing it as punishment. And it's not, it's not that. Paul's very direct in 1 Corinthians 7 here that a spouse can become an idol and that marriage can, be, can turn into something very selfish, which ends up being a lot of the problems as to why marriages fail is because they end up being, there's selfishness 
coming from both sides because relationships are, are supposed to be about serving each other, not about self-fulfillment. The person that is the most important on this planet to me is my wife and serving her is the number one person in my life that I need to serve. And I'm talking human person because serving Jesus is more important than that. And she knows that. Church body, we should be engaging with single people as brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging them and creating opportunities for them um, to, to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And couples, we should treat single people as whole people. And maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But not somebody who is incomplete because they're not married, regardless of how old you are or what stage of, I don't care if you're in middle school or you're in the later seasons of your life right now. You are not incomplete because you're not married. People are people, and people have passions and gifts that are given to them by God, and we should encourage them to grow in these gifts, right? All people matter to God and therefore matter to us. It's one of our core values that is based on the word of God, and nothing in that statement says anything about the relationship status. But being single, it allows you to develop friendships. It, it allows you to serve others. Singleness is a gift. And Christian singles should seek to grow closer to God and pursue God instead of pursuing a spouse and putting that pursuit over pursuing Jesus. Because if you're pursuing Jesus and he has a spouse ready for you or in, in the waiting for you, you can't tell me that you're not gonna find each other. Because if you're both pursuing Jesus... He's gonna bring that together if that's his will. See, Christianity changes drastically how marriage and singleness should be viewed by followers. Marriage is never gonna get you everything that you're looking for in life. That can only be found in Christ and neither is singleness. It's never gonna find you everything that you're looking for in life. That can only be Christ. Because remember, people don't complete people. Only God completes us. Only God completes us. And we need to remember that. And this view is different than the world's where Christians are called to be set apart from the world but remaining in the world. Let me simplify it even more. Even more simply, whether you're married or single, listen to me, if you're a follower of Christ, we are to be part of a Christ-centered family. If that's the case, then you know what? Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Is Jesus enough in your life? As I said, marriage is not the end goal of the Christian life. It's not the end goal and neither is singleness. Holiness and intimacy with God for his glory, that is the end goal of our walk with him and there's a trickle down effect that happens from that. And there are blessings in, that include potentially marriage or that include potentially singleness and there's blessings on either side of that from God. There's a quote from an author named Sam Alberry from the Gospel Coalition. Let me read this to you. It says this, if marriage shows us the shape of the gospel, as it does, it's a really great example of that, the shape of the gospel. Singleness 
shows us its sufficiency. Now, sufficiency is a real big word that means like adequate, like an adequate amount of something, okay? So singleness shows us its sufficiency. It's a way of declaring to a world obsessed with sexual and romantic intimacy that these things are not ultimate and that in Christ we possess what is ultimate. See, singleness is a representation to the world of the sufficiency of Christ in a person, person's life. As well as a symbol of the coming wedding banquet that we know is talked about in the end times between Christ and the bridegroom and the bride, his church, which is an awesome thing to look forward to. Look at Revelation. Here, chapter, chapter 19, verse seven says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. When everything is said and done, listen, when everything is said and done in this broken world is finally restored, which I know is something we are all waiting for. Listen, the only relationship that will truly last forever and matter the most is our relationship with Jesus as his bride, the church. And that, that unites us as a family regardless of our earthly relationship status. Being the bride of Christ as a church family, the church, the big C church, that unites us regardless of our relationship status. So my connection point for the morning is that in a Christ-centered family, Jesus is enough. In a Christ-centered family, Jesus is enough. So let me ask you, is Jesus enough? Where you're at right now, is Jesus enough? Because this is us. A Christ-centered family, this, this is who we are. This is who we're called to be. And if you're married, great, awesome, me too. If you're single, great, awesome. Lean into Jesus. If you're married, lean into Jesus. Is Jesus enough? If you're single, is Jesus enough? Because in a Christ-centered family, Jesus is enough. And we strive to be a Christ-centered family here. As the church, we are a Christ-centered family, and that means that there is room for single people. That means there is room for married people. And that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. And it also doesn't mean that your relationship with the Lord is better or worse if you are one or the other. It doesn't. It's not even the right way to look at it. In fact, that's not even the right question to ask. The right question to ask yourself is, is Jesus enough? Maybe you're wrestling with, with your, your singleness if you are single. Maybe you're, you're realizing that some of your priorities are out of order. That maybe your, your priority of an earthly relationship has trumped your spiritual relationship. Been there, done that. It's easy to do. I get it. You know who else gets it is Jesus. He's standing right there waiting for you. All you got to do is turn. 
All you gotta do is turn to him because he loves you and he loves you right where you're at. And he's never gonna leave you. He's never gonna betray you. He's never gonna walk away from you. He's never gonna leave you feeling empty. He's never gonna leave you feeling less than. If that's you, maybe you need prayer today. Maybe you need to pray with someone. Maybe you just need to talk through something. Maybe you need to accept Jesus. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus today. And you need to start there because that relationship, your relationship status, you're unsure of it when it comes to your relationship with Jesus because you're trying to make this person or that person enough instead of realizing that Jesus is more than enough. He always has been and he always will be. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are some people here, there are some people watching that feel less than because of their relationship status. That feel like maybe they're not enough. That feel like that relationship that's maybe there or maybe isn't there, maybe was there just recently. Lord, that that's been defining them. That that's been where they've been finding their self-worth and finding, God, the everything that comes up short there. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to them and remind them how much you love them because you say that we are loved as we sang about earlier. And your love for us has nothing to do with our relationship status on this earth. You wanna use us. You have a purpose and a plan for us. And that could be whether we're married or whether we're single because in a Christ-centered family, Lord, you want to use all of us as long as we stay centered on you, Jesus. And the trickle-down effect that happens from there is an incredible thing. And so, Lord, if there is someone here who's struggling there, I pray that they would have the, the courage to come forward and, and, or maybe meet us at the orange wall or talk to someone and, and get some prayer. Lord, if there's one that hasn't given their life to you, Jesus, I pray that, that they would give their life to you today, that they would cry out to you, admit that they're a sinner, believe that you are who you say you are, put their faith and their trust in you and you alone for eternal life. God, I thank you so much that you love us no matter what. There's nothing we can do to make you love us less. There's nothing we can do to make you love us more. I thank you so much for that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just go before us now. In Jesus' name, amen.